Nuclear proliferation. Global pandemic. Famine. Environmental genocide. War. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham, and L. Bradley Sheaf. Well, buddy, there it is. I, I have to apologize for those of you that are Megadeth fans. You'll know that Sweating Bullets is not from the 80s. It is from uh, 1992, the Countdown to Extinction album, but it was just too perfect for this week's podcast because I don't think there's anyone out there, whether you voted for him or not, that does not understand that the Biden administration from top to bottom at this point is sweating bullets. Well, Brian, I think that's, I think that's right. It's pretty clear that they don't know what they're doing. It's also pretty clear that we have got a lot of work to do as a country in a number of different uh, areas. But first, before we get into that, that was a great, uh, a great album, very exciting. I remember standing in line at the record store, waiting for that to drop and then buying, I think it was the fourth copy that was on sale in uh, Copley Square in, in uh, Boston. And buddy, that would have been uh, for you, that would have been the year that you graduated from Providence College, I think, 1992. Uh, it would have been had I graduated on time, but I was a year behind my class for a variety of reasons we won't get into at this point. But that did, you're right, that did inspire me to push through my senior year and go to law school. Yep. I mean, nothing will inspire you to sort of reach the peak of your abilities like a good Megadeth album. I Absolutely completely... right. I believe at the time you were, you were in a Turkish prison, if I'm not mistaken. I was probably... You know, in 1992, I, I may have actually been in Turkey. I think I was because they were having a problem with the PKK, the Kurdish Workers Party that had sort of gotten riled up because we did the northern no-fly zone. The United States implemented the no-fly zone over northern Iraq in an effort to protect the Kurds from Saddam. Um, but as our listening audience, I'm sure, is aware, the Turks and the Kurds have always uh, had a very tenuous relationship about the border between what the Kurds consider Kurdistan and Turkey. And I, I actually think I was in Turkey at some point in 1992, but not in prison. So that's uh, that's good. Yeah, well, I mean, all those people are dead now, Saddam, the Kurds. I mean, you moved down pretty quickly and I believe joined the Clinton campaign in 92 and uh, saw that whole thing through the, the obvious conclusion that it, uh, it resulted in. 
Uh, but welcome uh, to IP Frequently, the number one IP podcast uh, on the planet. I should say business podcast on the planet. As you know, we are uh, joining the great cable radio network family in a couple of weeks. So we're very excited about that. That starts on September 18th. Newsreel, what is going on in the world? Uh, FOMO is out and the Taliban is in. Should we start with the lack? Probably. I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess that the, the way you frame that is just a classic example that the universe is always looking for a push. Yeah. Right. Cuomo's out. That's good. Taliban's in. Not good. And buddy, I mean, I, you know, I, we could probably go a solid hour on this. It's it's not worth it. It's incredibly frustrating, especially for those that served in Afghanistan. And uh, I just I don't understand it. We, we, over the last 20 years, we spent a trillion dollars. Okay. So that's an, that's just an astronomical sum of money on trying to better position Afghanistan and its people. But setting that aside for those of us who served there and lost friends there and know of others who lost friends there, The fact that this administration has seen fit to undo 20 years worth of work, and you can argue whether or not that work was worthwhile or successful, all of that is is debatable. But what is not debatable is that it is a travesty that that 20-year process was undone in the space of five days by what has to be one of the most incompetent things ever done by a U.S. administration. just It's just inarguable. I mean, again, whether you liked our policy in Afghanistan or didn't, whether you voted for Joe Biden or didn't, that this action by his administration and by him, and then running and hiding as the entire country of Afghanistan was overcome by Islamic fundamentalists, to include the capital city of Kabul, and the, the, the elected government deposed and the six days of silence that came out of the White House, it continues, is just, it's, it's amazing in its, I don't even know what the right word is, debacleness. I'll make that word up. It's just amazing. Well, it is. I, I, I am one that's been for getting out of Afghanistan for some time. So I supported uh, President Trump when he negotiated this deal. Of course, the deal he negotiated was one where, um, the Taliban had to meet certain benchmarks, if you will, along the way before we pulled out. They, as far as I can tell, they didn't meet any of them. And then we told them we were pulling out and we pulled out anyway. Um, and uh, and just when, did it in the worst possible fashion. It was, just, I mean, you could not have done this worse, I don't think. Well, we, we, we've been, we spent 20 years training the Afghan military. Um, and we've been training them in a specific way, I mean, right? Like to rely on our air support, to rely on our technical support, and we pulled all that. Yeah. So these guys couldn't service any of the equipment they had. I guess it doesn't matter because it's all in the hands of the Taliban now. Um, but uh, we also pulled the air support, and then they—I I mean, to me, it's amazing how quickly that the Taliban moved through that country and just secured uh, checkpoint after checkpoint. Key position after key position. I mean, amazing how quickly they did that. And well, they've clear, been the Biden administration was fooled as well. Yeah, well, they just, they've been waiting, right? I mean, you know, for those of you who 
are big fans of the Biden administration. You know, God bless you. There's there's a lot of folks out there. And, you know, it's it's a it's it's potentially, I guess, comforting or relieves some of the pressure to be able to say, well, Trump made the deal to pull out and all Biden was doing was was following it. But but here's what you have to account for, right? And and we have said any number of occasions on this podcast, you know, Trump is a jackass. The reason he's not president of the United States today is his own fault, right? His personality, his hubris, his inability to say he was wrong or sorry is the reason why he's not the president, right? But just like raising your children, if you negotiate a deal with your children, which if anybody out there is parents, you do this all the time. You may not think about it as negotiating, but you reach a point of agreement with your children about the behavior they expect and how you will treat them in response to either that behavior or some unacceptable behavior. And the only reason that works is because your kids understand that you will make it stick. Whatever you say, you will make it stick. And so if you negotiate with your, with your child and reach a point of agreement, and then for some reason you're out of the picture and someone else comes in and they know that, that this person will not make that stick, a babysitter, a grandparent, whatever the case may be, the kid's going to run wild, right? It's not that he doesn't understand the deal he cut. It's that the person who is there to make it stick is different, right? And, and this person can't do it. And that's exactly what the Taliban did with Biden. So even if you want to take the position that, well, this is the same deal that Trump cut and Biden was just making good on it, it's the person behind the deal that matters. It's always the person behind the deal that matters. And when you switch Trump out for Biden, this is what you got. It just is what it is. And the reality is this pales in comparison to what happened with Vietnam, the images from the, the Vietnam pullout. This is tragic, what we're, what we're seeing there uh, in terms of the people rushing the planes, in terms of people huddled together on the military planes. Um, and then what we know about Americans being over there and not being um, uh, able to be uh, rescued or identified, at least at this point, and, and brought in, um, it, it really is a, it's a tragic situation that I guess no one in the administration anticipated. And in addition to that, uh, no one had a, had a contingency plan for this. I mean, we, we, we pulled out everyone except a couple of thousand troops. We're not putting thousands back in to secure the airport after we've given up all these strategic positions, we've given up the uh, all the weapons that we had behind it. We have no supporting military presence within the country because that's all been toppled because we refused to give air support and technical support to them and they just crumbled. Um, whoever made that decision is an absolute idiot, right? To, to pull that support, because obviously, if you're gonna pull out, um, you pull out first and then you pull those resources from the Afghan army. But apparently we, uh, we did it as backwards. Well, I mean, you, you have a plan, right? I mean, at the, and, and look, anybody that's ever done this for a living knows no plan survives first contact, right? That, that no matter how good your plan is, that there are variables you cannot control and things will go wrong. So you plan for that, right? You know you're not going to be right. You know there are going to be contingencies that arise that you didn't anticipate, and you need to be in a position to respond to that. And we didn't do any of that. And if the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, who has spent the last six months pursuing white terrorism, white supremacy terrorism in the United States, like that's his job, 
if that guy doesn't resign, then he should be immediately fired. This happened on his watch. It happened on the Secretary of Defense's watch. And I agree with you, buddy. I mean, it is very unlikely. Obviously, you and I don't know. It is very unlikely that President Biden made those level of calls himself, right? I am certain that that was delegated. I am certain that was delegated to the Department of Defense. And they could not have done it more poorly. And someone needs to be held responsible. Because again, you're right. We don't know where the Americans are. And even if we did, we've pulled everybody out. How are you going to go get them? You'd almost put them at higher risk by trying to get them and identifying them than letting them lay low, at least for a while. I, and I just, I, again, I'm, I'm disgusted by this. Yeah, I find it infuriating. And I, you know, I, and I, I just, I think given the administration's response to date, I mean, President Biden on television, on ABC with, with uh, the news show there, you know, they show him the people falling from the US military aircraft to their deaths, the human remains in the wheel wells of the C-17s. And his response is, well, that was five days ago. I mean, that, that is the most inhumane, ridiculous response an American president has ever given to a question. I, I just don't get it. Um, I mean, there was a report out recently that said at the recent summit in uh, um, over the summer, Biden approached Putin and I guess asked Putin's permission um, or, or what Russia's position would be on keeping U.S. troops in Central Asia after the uh, Afghan pullout. And Putin basically said no. And that was the end of that. So, I mean, it, 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 we are becoming sort of a second class country here with no rider. No one respects us. And after this, you know, the question is what does this say about global U.S. leadership other than it's over? Well, it, it, it's clearly over, right? I mean, it's it, it, until there's a change of administration our ability to lead around the world, our ability to get other governments to trust us. I mean, look at what we did to the Afghan government. Again, say what you will about them. They were not spectacular. There's no doubt about it. But look at what we did to them. How are you going to walk in with a straight face to any other government and say, hey, you know, America's here to help. Trust us. It's ridiculous. And if you think all this is is an internal Afghani problem, if, you can, if you're the kind of person who can turn a blind eye to what happens under an Islamic fundamentalist state, particularly to the women and girls, then you know, you're a colder person than I am. But if you think that's all that's going on here, you're crazy. They're going to open the terrorist camps back up. It's going to put incredible pressure on the Pakistani government to recognize a fundamentalist Islamic form of government along the border with Afghanistan. That is going to put us in, in real desperate straits with Pakistan, which is a critical ally in that area of the world. And you've already got China recognizing the Taliban government. Everybody is taking advantage of this catastrophic collapse of American leadership. And these chickens are going to come home to roost for years, right? So fasten your seatbelt. If you were, if you thought that the terrorist threat to the homeland of the United States was over, you're now wrong. Right. I mean, they, 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 exactly what was going on originally in Afghanistan and then in Iraq under ISIS is going to continue now at warp speed. And we're clearly not prepared for that. And isolationism will not work. The world is too small of a place for isolationism. If that's your thing, if you think, well, that's all fine, you know, we'll just hunker down here in the good old U.S. of A. and, and you know, everybody else can do their thing. 
It doesn't work. It doesn't work militarily. It doesn't work economically. But we have sacrificed our leadership position around the world, and and it only took five days. I mean, we, I, it took 200 years for this country to get into the leadership position it had gotten into, and we sacrificed it in five days. And it is going to have long-lasting repercussions. And there's no one. It'd be one thing if there was someone with with a coherent message out of the White House. But there's none of that. And, you know, the press secretary's on vacation. The vice president can't be found. Yeah, they're all hiding under their desks. I mean, they know what a disaster they've made out of this, and there's no way you can explain it. No. I mean, the problem is it sort of lends itself to more of the neocon positions, right? And so it's going to lead to more, I think, injecting Americans more into foreign conflicts. So it's going to have the opposite approach. When you get a new administration, I mean, this administration is not going to do it, but that's going to be a big issue in the next campaign. I don't think it's going to be good for uh, Uncle Uncle Joe, Grandpa Joe, Uncle Joe. Well, I mean, buddy, this this is like being, you know, on the five yard line going in and you call a timeout and you bring the referees around you and you just say, hey, of our own accord, we're going to back up 75 yards. Right. Just leave the down and distance the same, but we're going to back up 75 yards. And the ref says, well, you're you know, I mean, you're literally blowing your own foot off. And you go, yeah, that's that's exactly what I intend to do. And so I'm going to back up 75 yards. and, And I realize I had any number of key players injured and out of the league, out of the game. And, and I, when I was gaining those 75 yards, but I'm going to do that all again. That's where we are. I mean, if we want to regain a leadership position in the, in the world, again, if we want to have countries take us seriously again, if we want to be able to establish some faith and trust in our global partners, again, we are going to have to win back that same 75 yards and god knows what it's going to cost them right oh, well, god knows yeah i, I mean just getting not, the people out just getting the people out who are there now it's um, not going to happen i well, i just i don't think it's going to happen i mean it we would we would have we would have to send divisions into that country at this point and essentially take it over to get our people out and you know this administration doesn't have the will or the spine to do it and i Again, I mean, I, I I understand why they're hiding. There's just no way you can come out and say, yeah, this is, you know, this is exactly what we were looking for. There, and there's no excuse you can make. No, there's no excuse. On the plus side, though, uh, your boy Jimmy Carter has moved ahead of one president in terms of the overall presidential ranking. So that's good. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's definitely a plus one. Uh, if you're looking at that, uh, you know, like this, the standings table, he's a, he's in the green. He's a plus one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the message for small business owners, Brad, here is um, the execution is as important as the planning, and don't be a don't be a fucking idiot. Yeah, well, that's always good advice. Not being a fucking idiot is generally speaking good advice, unless you are in the small business of being a fucking idiot, in which case you could ignore all of this. But for the rest of you, that's always good advice. And yeah, the deal's not done when when you've struck in it. Right, the deal is not done when the paper is signed. The deal is done when the deal is executed. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure what any of that means, but I do agree with you 100%. And I would also say, when you say the buck stops here and then blame five to ten other people, uh, the buck isn't stopping where you said it was. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we the the amount of leadership cowardice from the Pentagon to the State Department to the White House to the Congress in this current administration is, I mean, nothing short of astounding. 
and it, it if it does not change, and I don't know how it's going to, given the people who are in the positions of leadership, but if it doesn't change, we, we're going to have real problems in this country. Yeah. Well, I mean, moving on to some pleasant news, uh, uh, Governor Cuomo has resigned, uh, very likely to be impeached if he hadn't resigned, not for uh, the uh, deaths of all the senior citizens that uh, he, uh, when he put the COVID positive patients to nursing homes and killed about 5,000 New York seniors, uh, but for uh, cupping a woman's rear end. But at least, look, at least he's going to be leaving in a couple of weeks. And um, he's, he's certainly, uh, who would have who would have bet uh, a week ago that he would outlast the Afghan government, but he has managed to do that. Yeah, well, I mean, again, buddy, right outcome for the right reason. I mean, it certainly you don't want to minimize uh, the predatory behavior by that jackhole. But it is astounding that for a guy that, that is responsible for the deaths of 5,000 people, that the way they got him was for his predatory behavior. And again, that, that's enough. He should be gone for that. But one would hope that this would not end the investigation into his decision-making and just sort of cavalier attitude about New York's seniors and that you know, that would continue to be a subject that people follow up on and, and that the folks that are responsible are held responsible. Um, uh, next, the COVID cubby, one of your favorite um, uh, segments, Brad. Uh, I, I am uh, down here in the heart of Texas. You are up in the uh, uh, ensconced in your multi-million dollar home in the Berkshires. Uh, couldn't be further apart, but we are uh, both uh, experiencing the fact that kids are going back to school. Our kids are going back to school. There are governors who are issuing mask mandates. There are governors who are prohibiting them, like down here in, in Texas. There's litigation going on in Florida right now um, over Governor DeSantis's mask mandates. Here in Texas, the Supreme Court upheld the governor's ability to ban um, local uh, municipalities from requiring masks. Uh, so it seemed, and, and the whole time, the number of cases, COVID cases, continued to tick up and up and up. Uh, there are a bunch of questions about the vaccine and booster shots and about whether or not kids under the age of 12 can and should get the, uh, get the vaccinations. Uh, and uh, it seems like the administration is having a lot of trouble communicating a coherent message to people can, uh, people can actually rally around because there is no message. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they can't put a coherent message together to wish somebody happy birthday. I mean, the, the, the administration is obviously a failure at this point. And, I, you know, again, people are sick and tired of hearing, well, you know, we're just following the science, which either way it goes, mass mandate, no mass mandate. And, and to me, the, the simple answer is, hey, if you want to wear a mask, go ahead. Right. I mean, if you are someone who feels like, you should wear a mask either because you're afraid you might infect someone else or you might be infected. Wear a spacesuit. I, I, I don't care. I mean, one of the benefits of living in a free society is as long as it's not unethical or, or immoral, go for it. So if you want to wear a mask, wear it. Right? But, but don't, this whole idea of masks and, and the way we are employing a mask mandate. And, and here in Colorado is a great example, right? So the kids are back in school five days a week, no cohorts, everybody's going together. You know, there's, they don't separate them six feet, but they have to wear a mask in class. 
right? Uh, okay, that's you know, world's better than it was last year. My daughter very much appreciates being back in school with all of her buddies. She's willing to wear the mask if that's what it takes to get there. But then they go to lunch. And while the, oh, she is with those same students that she just left the classroom in a mask and she walks down the hall to the cafeteria, then they all sit together for a half hour with their masks off and they eat lunch. Okay, well, even the high school students are saying, well, wait a minute. I mean, if, if the masks are necessary to reduce the risk of COVID while I'm doing a math problem, how are they less necessary while I'm eating a bologna sandwich? And the answer is, well, they're not, right? I mean, there's, they're not. So you've, you know, congratulations, you've nailed it. There is no science behind this. It's all theater. And, and the number of cases doesn't really matter. We need to be looking at the number, as we always should have been looking, of hospitalizations and deaths. All human beings on this planet are walking around with viruses inside them at all time, right? And sometimes you have enough of a viral load to actually feel sick, and sometimes you don't, but that's always been the way it's been. And so instead of looking at, well, how many people can we stick a swab up their nose and see if there's some COVID-19 virus bodies hanging around in there, the question should be, what damage is this inflicting upon the populace? And how do we mitigate that, but balance it at the same time with the need of people to return to a normal version of life, right? And the need for the economy to get back to where it needs to go, right? All of that has to be balanced. And of course, none of that is happening because it's all about politics, whether you're wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. And, and when you let politics stand in the way of public health, you got real problems. But obviously having real problems is not a problem for this administration. No, and the president did take more time telling people that they'd have to get a, a third shot, another booster within eight months. I mean, he, he spent more time on writing that than he has a coherent policy overall on COVID or on Afghanistan. But that, my friend, is neither here nor there. We'll keep monitoring this. Very depressing, but let's move on to something a little more lively and lighthearted. Uh, the RIP report, Brad, uh, <laughs> this is uh, brought it's to you It's a rare week when the RIP report is more lighthearted than the newsreel. It's the highlight. It's the highlight of the uh, highlight of the show. It's brought to you by uh, IPedia, the automation of innovation. Um, IPedia satisfying all of your patent prosecution and hot tub needs since 2019. You, you, you have a nice hot tub or you're in the process of sticking a hot tub on your deck. Well, we're, we're trying to build a deck that will allow us to put a hot tub, yes, um, but that we've had nothing but hurdles in the way of that. Um, but we're going we're gonna to continue to endeavor to have you know, a nice, relaxing little hot tub on our deck. But like everything else on the planet, you can't get one. We, we, we oh. tried to buy a hot tub in June. They told us they wouldn't be available until January. So there you go. I mean, like, literally, the trials and tribulations that you have to go through these days. It is. It's, a, it's just, for a, just for a bucket of hot water, essentially. Uh, so, Bradford, we've got three um, deaths uh, this week, all of whom had touched our lives in some way, shape, or form. First, uh, obviously, beautiful Bobby Eaton, uh, one half of the great Midnight Express uh, tag team uh, of the uh, late 80s, early 90s, what one of the top two or three tag teams of all time. They fought in a great triple ladder match at one point where they literally got up 30 uh, feet over the ring and one of them fell through the ladders. But uh, yeah, that doesn't yeah. sound good. 
No, no, no. I mean, I think they ultimately won. Their manager was a guy who carried around a loaded tennis racket. So we're we're talking about Bobby Eaton as opposed to Bobby Eden, the Dutch porn star. See, that's a good question. I don't know. Beautiful Bobby Eaton was beautiful in his own way, and he was a great wrestler. Whether he made porn, I don't. I don't know. I think it's. I think it's two separate people. But we want to make sure that you know our audience is not confused. So it's Bobby Eaton. E A T O N. Yeah, beautiful, uh, beautiful Bobby. BB. Yeah, because when yeah, was when you're typing that in, the the first one that comes up is not that. It's so not anyway, yeah, I mean, you know, he survived to fall through a ladder, but uh, eventually the Grim Reaper comes for us all, my friend. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's tragic. Then there's uh, the great uh, football coach Bobby Bowden, Florida State, won a couple of national titles, I believe. Coached uh, the great Deion Sanders at Florida State, and uh, I think he was there for like 40 years. Yeah, no, he he had a good hot run, was a great college football coach. You cannot take that away from him. I mean, obviously his time came and went, but he had the good grace to retire uh, while he was still at least near the top, did coach prime time. And so, you know, you tip your cap for that. And I always liked him. He was just kind of a pithy, easygoing guy. I didn't understand half the stuff he said. Well, I mean, one of my favorite quotes of his, that I, I don't remember who he said this about, but I remember laughing out loud when I saw it on ESPN or wherever I saw it. He said about someone, he said, he doesn't know the meaning of the word fear. And then he paused and he said, but then again, he doesn't know the meaning of most words. Now that is a funny line. Uh, Brad, what, what would you say to someone who uh, comes to you and says, uh, listen, I, I have a small business. I'm trying to learn from the best. Uh, I don't have a huge technological juggernaut uh, such as Ipedia behind me. Um, and I need a reference point. I need a data point. And I'm really um, looking at the career of one uh, Robert Ignatius Bowden and uh, want to take something from it that I'm going to use as my, uh, as my beacon, right, as my North Star to guide my business uh, through the dark days. Uh, what, what, what would you say to a person like that? Well, I mean, I, I think you've picked a good one in, uh, in Coach Bowden. I mean, obviously, he was a successful guy at running uh, you know, probably not a small business in a major division one football program, uh, but you know, not, not a huge business. And, and he obviously had a staff that he had to manage. And I, and I think what I, the way I'll answer that question is I will say, if Bobby were standing here today, one that would be odd given uh, he's dead, but if he were, I think what he would say is that he treated people the way he wanted to be treated. And so, you know, he tried to be a gentleman, he tried to be fair, and I think you can use that as your north-facing load star uh, if you're going to rely on Bobby Bowden for that purpose. Yeah. Well, I mean, you'd probably win a number of ACC titles. You would certainly do that if you were Bobby Bowden. Yeah. You got to pay the players, though, agreed? Everybody was paying their players. People are still paying their players. Well, that's that's a given. Uh, so, Brad, I've been informed by our erstwhile producer that we are having some issues uh, with the equipment here in the studio. I believe that this is very likely attributable to Russian meddling in our podcast. Uh, obviously, they don't want us to get to Venera 16. And I don't believe the Biden. Venera 16. Come on. There has to be. Well, I'm just telling I think and also the Biden administration doesn't either because we uh, obviously are coming to the end of the podcast and we now have a choice. We can do Venera 16 or Barter Band. 
And oh I think the Russians know that we can't not do barter band. Yeah, they're probably aware of that barter band is you know, a big part of our show. People come from miles around for barter band. But the beauty of not having time to do the Venera discussion today is that, hey, we'll get to it next week. Now we know there is a Venera 16. Everybody can look forward to it one more week. That is that is correct. And no, no amount of meddling or diddling or any of that will prevent you and I from getting to the bottom of Venera 16. Well said. Uh, so Barter Band, the award-winning bronze TV award-winning segment, cuts ice, among other things. Uh, and I should also say, Brad, you and I are going to be doing a number of these same segments as we uh, gravitate towards major uh, national uh, radio prominence, correct? Uh, sure. Yeah. Why not? And, and I'll, I'll just tease for the audience here in the studio in Dallas. One of the segments will be called The Razor's Edge. Oh, there's a great ACDC song called The Razor's Edge. Maybe we can use that as a lead-in. To the segment? Sure. Well, we Why not? Because we don't do that. Well, but we could. I mean, we could do anything. I mean, animals could, could, could run the earth and we could turn this whole thing over to the chimpanzees or the monk, whoever was kidnapped, I don't even know at this point, but um, we don't do that. And there's something that makes us civilized. And it's the fact that we don't go outside of our comfort zone. Well, all right. I mean, it was just a suggestion and it is a great song, but let's, I mean, what are we barring or banning this week? The uh, governor of California, Gavin Newsom, is uh, going to be either barred or banned or potentially um, keep his job. The California recall election is coming up on September 17th. Uh, there are two questions on the ballot. Do you want to recall the governor, yes or no? And then if the governor gets recalled, who do you vote for? And there are like 70 candidates listed on these crazy ballots. Everyone <laughs> from porn star, Bobby Eaton may be on there, porn stars, TV stars, uh, Bruce Jenner's, Caitlyn Jenner is on there. I think the kid from Different Strokes ran last time. I don't know if he's running again. But basically, I mean, you'll remember this is the process that gave you uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger back a couple of decades ago when Gray Davis was recalled and Schwarzenegger was uh, was elected by a bunch of people who liked his movies. And so now sure. the question yeah. is, should Gavin Newsom, um, he of uh, the uh, high crime, high uh, homelessness, high poverty, horrific um, COVID policies that have crippled some of the biggest cities in the country, should he be recalled? And if he is recalled, uh, should they just turn it over to beautiful Bobby Eaton? Well, I think, you know, an answer to that question from a barter ban perspective, yes, you want to bar or and or ban or both Newsom, right? He's he's clearly a failure as the governor. And the straits in which California finds itself are not entirely attributable to him, for sure. I mean, you've got some mayors who are just dumpster fires and their cities reflect that. Um, but you know what? We talked earlier about the buck stopping here, and he's the guy at the top. He's setting statewide policy. It's clearly been a disaster. So, you know, for the sake of the otherwise beautiful state of California and the folks who live there, yeah, he's got to go. Now, the problem is, who do you replace him with, right? You want to try and take a step in the right direction here. It, the, the, the worst case for California is you get rid of Newsom, who needs to go, and then you replace him with someone who's an even bigger jackhole, which, while that may be hard to imagine, is possible in the state of California. So Californians, do yourself a favor, get to the polls, do the right thing, 
and pick someone who can do the job at least. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, buddy, but I don't believe they have that crazy. What did they call it in New York? Like tiered voting or. Ranked choice voting. Yeah. I don't think they have that. Do they? I mean, no, you you basically vote for the uh, recall. And then if the recall gets a majority, um, then whoever gets the most votes of these 70 candidates, so it can be something like 10% of the vote becomes the next governor and fills out the rest of the term. How much longer remains on Newsom's term? I think he's up in 2022. I think he's up next year. So he's going to run for re-election next year. And uh, his term runs through January of 2023. So it's a year and a half. Yeah. So, well, I mean, obviously, California is a resilient place. They've been able to deal with him for this long. So I guess really whoever you vote for, you can probably hold your breath for a year and a half. Um, but let's hope, buddy, let's just hope. We, we could use a break in this country at this point. Let's hope Newsom is out and some right thinking, you know, highly regarded, capable human being of whatever stripe, creed, color it turns out to be takes that seat and starts to turn that ship around. That would be yeah. great. That would be an incredible undertaking. Um, and unfortunately, a couple of the uh, uh, candidates had to drop out. They uh, were recently released from Gitmo and they've gone back to run Afghanistan. So uh, the, those those candidates will no longer be on the ballot. They may be on the ballot. They just, if elected, they will not serve. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that seems fair. I mean, you've got Afghanistan's a big place and, You've got to make sure that all the women are not in school, always wearing a burqa, always have a male escort, that they're just treated like, you know, trash. And so that's, you know, that's something that you got to keep your eye on if you're going to run Afghanistan now. And so I could see where you would make that choice if you were Taliban inclined, I guess. Well, all right. So uh, what's next? Are we wrapping it up? Oh, I was, well, I was cueing you to wrap it up. Oh, all right. Well, I, I will be happy to do that. We're going to keep a positive attitude here. We're going to keep our studio audience up and happy and motivated because that's the way we do things here on IP Frequently. And we'll see you again next week, hopefully in that frame of mind. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.